0: Well good morning church, 10am hey, here we are, it's good to be together isn't it, uh, we want to say welcome to you all, it's just, it's just great that you're here especially if you're here for the very first time, it's wonderful that you're here and we hope you'll be able to stay and grab a coffee afterwards, it's so good to be together. Um, I just want to let you know two things this morning. Next Saturday, uh, we've got this great uh, time for women uh, to come together and to learn about how to look good cheaply and uh, match <laughs> clothes together. Now, that's a great thing for anyone to want to come to. You can bring your friends along. Um, and, and hear Sandra Martin. It's a great way for people that have never come to church to come along. So think about that next Saturday. During the day, we're going to be, uh, there's going to be someone who will speak. Uh, about how God looks you know, not on the outward appearance but in the heart. And he's going to be, she's going to be sharing that as well, Di Wick. So remember that. This Thursday night, um, make it count, is what, is what the night's called, from 7 to 9.30, John Howard and Kevin Rudd are going to be speaking to you and me as Christian voters, and they're going to be stating the case of why we, should, we as Christians should vote for them. And uh, I'd just love it if we could just pack this place. We're hosting it for the churches in Wodonga and people in Albury are ringing saying, can we come and bring our church too? So it'd be great to be here 7 o'clock this Thursday night. You know, when I think about the church, there's something just incredible about a church when it's working right, don't you think? I mean, I mean when uh, things are going as God planned for his church to be, people talk about it. It has an impact on people's lives in so many different ways. When the church is working right, it touches people's lives. It permeates love within it. There's hope in that church. There's welcome. People are set free when God's church is working right. They're healed. They're helped. They're held. People are supported. They're cared for. They're prayed for. They're empowered. People love to serve and want to serve in a church where God is at work. You know, a church that's working right, that God is using, is uncontainable. You can't stop its influence from bursting out amongst its people. It's heard of by people outside the church, it's talked about by people who have never been into a church like that. It's like a city on a hill. And as God touches lives, as God transforms people's lives, it, it becomes a, a, an unstoppable force. In a community, it starts to set the culture and the community look to a church like that as the benchmark of how people should live. People come to a church like that for help. People find a church like that to be relevant and they seek it out and a church like that has a voice. You know, I've seen this the most clearly demonstrated in the pages of Acts at the very beginning when the early church was birthed. And we see there, clearly, in Acts chapter 2 and verses 42 to 48, these words. Uh, They demonstrated themselves, they devoted themselves, rather, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Doesn't your hair stand on end just thinking about it? What it must have been like to be there, to be part of it, to see God at work in his church when it was working right? When I read those verses, within me comes out this real cry to God. I say, God, if it happened back then in the early church, if there was a time when a church came together and things were working right, could it happen again I mean, God, could you really do that today in a church, Yes, in a church in Australia, in a church in Wodonga? I mean, amongst ordinary folk like you and me, could you do that again? God, would you do it again? I think... Imagine if every time we got together, uh, teaching was diligently done and and lives were transformed because of the teaching. Imagine if if when people heard the word of God, they devoted themselves to it. Imagine if when Phil and Gail and myself handled God's word, we did it with such devotion that that people responded. Imagine if in small groups, as small groups met in homes and they turned up and they found that the teacher, the, the small group leader had been devoting themselves to the study in the background and and as they shared God's word in that small group, lives were changed. I think, wouldn't that be incredible? And I think, hang on a minute, I've been to people's houses and seen that little journal that we gave out at the start of the year and people have said to me, I'm not only up to the date, I'm ahead. You know, I've been reading. I've been reading God's word every day. I've been getting up and, and applying it to my lives. So when we get the blue cards each week, you know, people aren't writing great sermon, Jonathan, Phil or Gail. They're writing, you know, things like, God, would you help me live this in my life? Would you pray with me as I try and lead in this way? And I think, oh, is this the fingerprints of God at work? Is this kind of Acts 2 beginning? Are we seeing God at work here? You know, another thing they did was they devoted themselves to the fellowship, devoted themselves to the fellowship. I wonder, wow, God, can we still have a church today that is so devoted to fellowship? Then I think, wow. I I hear stories all the time of of fellowship taking place. The young people went on a youth spectacular, the young adults, and and the the fellowship and the fun and the times that they had together were deep. I I heard about just recently, you know, our girls getaway and people coming back going, there was nothing like it. There was such a closeness and a oneness together. I was at the men's breakfast yesterday morning and the only way to describe what was happening there as men gathered together was genuine fellowship, people sharing. You know, I think about these things and I think about the castaways who keep saying, you know, we're just getting so close and they're ringing each other up as they're having operations or people go through hard times. People are caring in the castaways. And I think, God, is this Acts 2? Is this the beginning of, you know, you doing what you did back then here in a church I think about the early church, how they prayed and there were many signs and wonders and miraculous things that were happening. And I think, God, if only that could happen today like it did back then. And then I think, wow, you know why? Because I hear of answers to prayer that can only be put down to God at work in the midst of us. I hear about people that have said they went to operations and felt a real covering of prayer and peace even in the midst of those times. I hear about people's hearts getting softened who have come in here with hard hearts but finding them softened. And I think, God, is this what you're doing? Transforming lives, doing miraculous miracles like you did back then. I think about the fact that the believers, they all had everything together and everything in common. And I think, God... Please, could you do it again? And then I realised that every week you just walk in, so many of you, and fill up to overflowing the basket for poor people in our community. And almost every day people knock on the office door and walk out with, ba- with bags full to feed their kids, people that are struggling in Wodonga. I think about our missions giving and I think you're blowing, we're blowing each other away with our generosity to the poorest of the poor in Malawi. And I think, God, are you up to something here? Is this the beginning of what you did in Acts Acts 2? Again, here in Wodonga, uh, it says the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. And I say, oh, God, if you would just draw people to yourself like you did back then, imagine a church like that. And then I think about you know we've heard testimonies of a young person sharing how she's her life's been transformed um, a few Sunday nights ago she shared it I hear about people now that are um, coming along to places like Breathe that have never been to church before but they're coming and they're in a study I hear about kids with courage programs with people who've never come to our church are coming and they're learning about being better parents and helping their kids and they're learning about Jesus as well and I hear about life force programs that people from outside our church are coming. And I hear about people coming each week and coming to a point where they give their lives to God. And I wonder, God, are you, are you up to something special here? Is this your beginnings? And you know what I feel? I just feel like giving thanks to God. I feel like giving thanks to God for what he is doing and saying, God, would you do it more and more? Do more than you could ever hope or imagine through us, your people, God, in Wodonga. Ordinary people, but with an extraordinary God. Let's pray, shall we? God, this morning, we just want to give thanks to you because we see your fingerprints in our lives and in this church. And we just want to say thank you, God, that you would choose to use ordinary people like us. And we just say, God, would you please continue to use us? Thank you for what you're doing we just say God have your way in us have your way we welcome you here into our church and we just say God ignite us have your way in Jesus name amen
1: I thank our awesome God for making his presence so obvious to me over the last 18 months while I was diagnosed and treated for a malignant brain tumor I also thank him for the healing he has done. I'd love for everyone to know that he is just waiting on the edge of his seat, eager to help us when we call his name. His timing is always perfect. I have a heavenly father standing by my side who cares deeply about me and wants to step in and protect me. And so do all of you. Nari Miller.
2: I would like to thank God um, for how amazing He is and the grace that He shows to all of us um, in Jesus Christ that we can be forgiven and uh, can become His children. Um, There's heaps to praise God for when I see what He's doing through the youth and young adults ministry of our church. Um, Let me tell you about one life uh, that God is changing. Um, Last year, one young lady started attending Friday Night Youth Group. Um, She was in year eight. Um, she's from a family with little or no connection to the church or to uh, the message of Jesus' love. She was invited by a good friend um, who's in the same year who is uh, quite the evangelist. Um, and she's been coming regularly now for like, since the time she came. At the start of this year, she gave her life to Jesus Christ. And now she's uh, so eager to be baptized to show the world, uh, about her love of Jesus. Um, I just praise God for that amazing thing. And there's other things to praise God for, and one of them is ESA. I'm going to hand it to Tash.
3: We're continuously praising and thanking God for all he has done and continues to do through the hearts and lives of many people at, of our church and churches through the ministries of ESA. God has used a week-long camp to reveal himself to campers and leaders alike with hearts dedicated to God each and every camp. Many young people from our church go to ESA camps at least once a year and these camps provide an opportunity to make new relationships and friendships, a chance to relax and and mostly a chance to, to deepen their relationship with God. And many of us who are now too old to be campers are now serving God through the various ministries of ESA such as the junior and the teen camps. And as leaders, we first hand witness what God can do and our prayers are full of thanks and of of awe of what God can do through the lives of the young people in camp.
2: And uh, let me just tell you about another life uh, that God has also changed. This is a young adult um, of our church as well. Um, I haven't asked his permission, but he's a good mate, so I hope it's all right. (laughs) Joel is a a young adult and he's in his early 20s. He's from a church family with great Christian heritage and encouragement. Uh, But it wasn't until about two years ago where he just went, No, I'm giving you my whole life. I'm getting really serious. And he made that decision, and then he was uh, soon after baptised. And through the power of of God's Spirit, Joel is uh, growing more and more in faith and service to God's kingdom. And I look at him now, look at the influence that he has and the encouragement that he instills in all the people that he interacts with and I I see it and I'm inspired by what God is doing through him and God is continuing to grow him more and more and more so that now he's like I just want to give more of my time you know to like serving and encouraging young people uh, in this church and the surrounding community. Uh, I just praise God so much for the grace again to us and when I see what he's doing through the youth and young adults at our church uh, in God's church here I just praise him.
4: I have a letter from Joanna Sillands to read. I would just like to thank the church so much for all its support over the three plus years which my family and I have attended. I arrived in the region as a new mother and I've gained so much from the Mothering Matters courses which I attended at Breathe on Friday mornings. Mandy Stark and Gail Snyder were so encouraging and are wonderful women of God, great examples to follow. Our second child was born in February last year and I received a box full of lovely gifts from the church for myself and the baby. I'm in the grandma program through church and have Auntie Mel to call on for babysitting support, which is great as we don't have immediate family living in the area. As an example of this program working practically, Connor was quite unwell during the night a few weeks ago and John was away overnight. In a bit of a panic, I called on Mel at around 10.30pm. She came straight over and stayed the night to care for Riley while I took Connor to hospital. I was so grateful to have someone to call on. She was so helpful and reassuring. The girls' getaway weekends have been a huge blessing to me by providing friendships, ministry and a much-needed rest. Wodonga Baptist Church has touched every aspect of our lives and we're so grateful to God and to everyone for their love and support. Jo
5: I give thanks to God today for my small group, for the firm friendships he's given me through this group. For a safe place to go to share sorrows, struggles and joys. For a place where each person is honoured and valued. I thank God for placing me with people younger than me, many of whom are parents. Because I've been greatly encouraged by their faithful striving to raise their families God's way in a hostile world. And being with them each week and sharing their heart concerns has brought me unexpected joys and hope. I give thanks to God too for my leaders, currently Shane Robinson and Doug Rosevear. I'm really inspired by their willingness to serve this way, the way they sacrifice family time, the way they willingly open their homes, and the preparation that they give and the thought they put into each study. I thank God for the great role models that they are, both in their homes, in church and in the community. And I I'm really blessed seeing them use their gifts for the edification of the body. I give thanks to God today for our study material. It's a little booklet called Following God in Tough Times and each session looks at how God's people in biblical times and today have dealt with suffering. From the first study we identified five keys to freedom that we actually have in spite of often feeling trapped or imprisoned by our circumstances. So issues to be looked at include faith, acceptance, doubt, living with limitations and moving from survival to service. Because of the lively discussion and exchange of ideas, we have sometimes had to spread one study over two weeks. The level of trust and mutual support in the group enables such honest and open response which sometimes means addressing painful and unpleasant memories and experiences. Lastly, I thank God for my group's prayer support. All concerns brought are upheld daily by the group and in an atmosphere of absolute confidentiality. Urgent issues that might arise between our uh, meeting nights are communicated immediately for attention. So in summary, I thank God for my small group. It has become like my immediate family within the extended family of Wodonga District Baptist Church. Thank you. Great.
6: I have a letter here from Mavis Brewer and on behalf of herself and Graham. I am thankful to my Lord and God for being with me through my two operations for breast cancer. The large tumour has been completely removed. Praise God for my healing. I also thank God for Jonathan, Gail and all my church family for their loving care and support, their visits, flowers, cards, letters and phone calls and also for support, hospitality and meals for Graham. I think he's put on weight. (laughs) Please continue to pray about any further therapy that may be needed and I think we better pray for the Michelin man as well and thanks be to God for all his care
7: just over three and a half years ago I was, while I was 23 weeks pregnant with our second child and living in Canberra I had a seizure and was diagnosed with a brain tumour most people say at this point in my story oh how terrifying for you but the reality was that straight away we felt the peace of God you know the peace that passes all understanding that you read about in the Bible that's exactly what it was like we wanted to discover that the tumour was in fact benign, but that I would need to be on anti-seizure medication for the rest of my life. We consequently moved back to Wodonga to be closer to family and returned to my home church here at Wodonga District Baptist Church. Before we even arrived back here, we discovered that the church was already praying for us. They had a special prayer meeting one night after the evening service where they prayed for healing and strength for our family. Two and a half years later, I underwent surgery to remove the tumour which had become active and which, once we had the final pathology results, was revealed to be a malignant tumour. Both before and after surgery, the church here was at prayer and in a lot of other places, our family and friends. While I went through chemotherapy, our family and friends and the church here was at prayer. And now, four months on from the end of my chemo, they are still at prayer thanking him for the healing that has taken place. My last scans showed that there is no sign of the tumour and my neurosurgeon does not want to see me for 12 months. I'm off all medication, including my anti-seizure medication, which I was supposed to be on for the rest of my life. Praise God. I thank God for the people he has placed in my life to care and support me and my family through this difficult time. It was an encouragement to know that the pastoral care team here was faithfully praying for me and believing in God to heal me even when at times I had given up. Their regular cards reminded me of their prayers, care and concern and I was also supported in other practical ways with meals and loads of understanding. During this time, God revealed himself to me in the most amazing way that I would never have experienced if it were not for this tumour in my life. It was only a couple of weeks ago that Nairi asked me If I cried much during church, we both reflected on how much deeper is our understanding for the sacrifice that Christ made for us and the enormity of that in our lives, that when we think of it, it brings us to tears. When I was given the news that the tumour was malignant, I sensed God saying to me, it's not about healing, it's about where you place me in your life that is important. I have tried to keep that as my focus, ensuring that God is number one beginning each day acknowledging him and asking him for strength, which he does provide. I want to thank you all for your continued prayers and support, and I praise God with you for all that he has done and will continue to do in this place.
1: Why don't we just pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much today. We thank you for the, the lives that you have changed, for the wonders that you have done of healing in people's lives. We thank you for those that are on this platform this morning who have shared and said thanks to you, Lord. Thank you for putting people in their lives to help them know you more, for drawing people closer to you so that they are a new creation, Lord. We thank you so much for all that you continue to do in our lives and we ask that as we put ourselves before you each day, and offer ourselves afresh that you would be revealing yourself more and more as we read your word and as we pray. Lord, we thank you for this church, a body of believers who come together to worship you and to give you the glory and the honour and the praise that is only due to you for the miracles and the things that you do in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Why don't we stand together and um, let's keep.
0: Well, would you all welcome Patrick Bashengezi to the stage? <laughs> uh, Patrick, uh, we thought we'd just uh, ask uh, Patrick to share this morning. Patrick, could you just tell us uh, where, where you're from? Where did you grow up?
8: I'm from the Democratic Republic of Congo, which
0: is. Let me just double check that, hey? There we go. I'm
8: right. um, from the Democratic Republic of Congo which is in Central Africa and uh, we got the independence in 1960 and since then the country has been in trouble and the first ele- uh, democratic election which was r- organized there it was uh, in last year 2006 and since then all those period people have been living in trouble in conflict because when a leader wants to get power, he has to fight. No, uh, he has to fight to, to, to be on power. So things was terrible all those year. And so, uh, in 2000, my family has been troubled there because of conflict, and you uh, have been forced to leave, and we went in different countries.
0: So you and your brother. Uh, left, you didn't know where he'd gone, yeah, but you that's... went. Where did you go after the conflict? I went but... in Kenya where I was uh, as a refugee. I went to refugee camp where I'd been living. And uh, in a refugee camp then in, in Kenya, Nairobi, can you tell me, was it difficult living in a, in a refugee camp? Yeah, living in a refugee camp was, life was
8: very difficult. Like having two meals in a day, it was like a miracle. You can't get two meals a day. Uh, we have been getting three kilograms of maize. Maize, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have been getting also one kilogram of, of flour. Flour, yeah. yeah. That You have to use that for 15 days. You have to live on that for 15 days. After 15 days, you have to get the same food. Wow. So life was difficult. You can't get two meals a day.
0: Mm. Yeah. So you'd have to have one meal a day. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Wh- when would that be? For breakfast or... <laughs> The meal has to be at
8: lunchtime, and nighttime you have to take water and sugar. Before you go to sleep, then you, you drink and you sleep.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, can you remember, how long did you live like that for, like on one meal a day? I, I lived like that
8: for six months, my six first months. six months in the camp. So you were always hungry? Always hungry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patrick, can you tell us about perhaps one of your you know, lowest points, one of your saddest times in that time? What was the hardest time? Yeah, my hardest
8: time, it was a day I didn't get uh, the lunch. And uh, at night, I was expecting to have water and sugar. And when I, I was in my... When I went to my tent at night, before to sleep, I looked around to see my sugar, where I was keeping my sugar. I could not find my sugar I looked it around. I could not find it. it is at the end, I discovered that a rat has eaten my sugar.
0: Mm.
8: I was very upset, and uh, I was especially upset with God. Before I went to, to bed, I prayed the shortest prayer ever. I said, God, this is getting too much. Can you get me out of this situation? Mm. The next morning, <laughs> I, I got a job. That mm. job was so funny also. I was getting $25 per month. And that I was working full, full day. Then, but it was better than nothing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
8: And uh, What were you doing, Patrick? Mm, you were... I was selling Coca-Cola in the camp. Uh. <laughs> 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 yeah, I was selling Coca-Cola. And uh, I used that $25. I, I was taking 10 to to, to live on. And and fifteen dollar, I I went to a college where I could start uh, study computer. And after that, after six months, I'm, I'm doing that job and I'm studying computer tonight. I was taken as a trainer in that computer
0: training center. So you went from learning things like Microsoft. or well, Yeah,
8: I learned package six the first uh, six, six packages. packages.
0: And then they said, wow, well, after six months, you become, now you teach others. Yeah. yeah. What happened to your income then?
8: I was getting now $50 per month, and that was full-time job. Wow. And uh, I was in a better position, like that $50, I'm in better position than any other refugee, because that was the best money you may get in the camp. Mm. Yeah. So it was difficult in the camp?
0: Was it dangerous in the camp?
8: Yeah, in the camp. There is, we were threatened because of a security problem much of the time. You could hear gunshots everywhere at night time. And the main problem was food. People can come and steal food of each other and people will fight because of food, you'll never
0: imagine. So how many people are in this refugee camp?
8: We were more than 60,000 uh, refugees from eight different countries.
0: Yeah, some of those countries, what were, where, where were they? Well,
8: Sudan, Somalia, Congo, Burundi, Rwanda, Eritrea. Mm. Yeah. So
0: in this difficult, dangerous, difficult, dangerous yeah. camp, yeah. How, how did God help you? How, how did he help you in that?
8: Yeah, in, uh, in, a, in 2003, we had a preacher who came over in the church and he was uh, preaching about prayer. And uh, it was at the eve service. New Year's Eve service. Yeah, New Year's Eve service. And he told us that uh, God may answer your prayer and, you will, not, and uh, you will never discover that God has answered your prayer. And he told us to do an exercise. You write your request prayer, you put it in an envelope, and then you open it after one year and see if God has answered it. You all get that? Yeah. And uh, I did that. I put the, my prayer... In the envelope, I said, "God, I want to get out of this camp." That was your prayer. That you wrote prayer. it and put yeah. it in the envelope. the envelope, and I kept the the envelope. Only after six months, I got a scholarship where I could study outside the camp. Wow! I went to study in Nairobi. That was for an IT scholarship.
0: So instead of waiting a year, like the preacher said, six months, yeah. God had answered your prayer, got you out of the camp yeah. to study a scholarship. Yeah. Yeah.
8: The scholarship was for one year and a half. Uh, before that scholarship ended, remaining two months, I started to get worried. I say, God, remember, I don't want to return back in the camp as I prayed and uh, do something else. I didn't know what God was going to do. <laughs> after that, a friend, after one week only, a friend came at my place and told me, Patrick, that somewhere they are taking refugee for another scholarship. Could you want to apply?" I said, yes. I, I wrote my application and I went to that office. The person I met in that office told me, we are looking only for, three, uh, for four people, and we have more than 300 applications. You don't have a chance. I asked him, but I, are you still taking my application? He said, yes, I'll take it, but you don't have chance. I said, just take it. <laughs> <laughs> she took my application and I, uh, and I went back home. In my way back home, I was telling God, and God remember, I don't want to return back in the camp. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I was selected among the four, uh, uh, the four people who gained that scholarship. Mm. I got another scholarship for two years. And I, was, uh, I, I did uh, social work. At that time, I was getting enough money. I was getting one hundred and eighty dollar a month as allowance. Uh, mm.
0: Yeah. So now, tell me. So you, God's helped you. I've been answering prayer, answering prayer, answering prayer. Yeah. You, you still didn't know where your brother was. How, how no, did you get to me? I didn't
8: know where my relatives were or any of them. In my first holiday, um, my school holiday back in the camp. A friend told uh, people told me there's someone from your city who is around here. Do not want to meet him? I say, Yes, let me go and see him. I just went to, to see, it was Raphael, my brother. Mm. I said, Thank God. I, I didn't expect it. I didn't, yeah.
0: And, and now tell me, how did you come to be from there to be in Australia?
8: Yeah, before uh, that scholarship also ended, when I, I did one year doing that social work, I started to to pray again and say, God, this scholarship is ending. What will be the next step? <laughs> 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 because in Kenya, in Kenya, refugees are not supposed to work. The, the Kenya constitution says, if, eh, if you have that status of refugee, you can't work. So I was very worried with my life. And uh, a friend gave me an email for a, a man who is living here in Wadonga. He's called Frank Johnson. And he told me, this guy is helping refugees to come over. Can you write to him? I wrote to him, I say, can you please help? He said, yes, I could want to help. After a long process, we come over in, mm-hmm.
0: in Australia with my brother. And uh, Patrick, what do you think about Australia? What are, you, what are you thanking God for today about being here?
8: The first thing I have to say about Australia is God bless Australia. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I've been looking to be somewhere I can be safe, and now I'm safe. I've been looking to further my, my, my education, to have a university education. I'm doing one at La Trobe University. I thank God because I've been looking for a job. On 16 this month, I'm studying a job. I thank God because I've been looking a church where I can feel like I'm at home, I've got a church where I'm very supported spiritually, materially, and everything. I thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God bless Australia. Yeah, hey? God bless Australia.
0: <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Yeah. God, we just want to thank you for uh, the way in which you've been listening to Patrick, answering his prayer. God, thank you that Patrick praises you as we praise you. You're a good God, and we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Patrick. In the name of the Lord is to be praised. Uh, we come together now and we gather around this table, and people have called this. Uh, what we're about to do, the Lord's Supper. Some have called it communion. Through church history, people have referred to it as the thanksgiving. Uh, you know, as we're thanking God today and giving thanks to him, when Christians just overflow with thanks, uh, it's usually centred around the fact that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. He rose again. And he offers us forgiveness, freedom, new life. The old is gone, the new has come. You know, uh, the most amazing thing for us to give thanks for today is that Jesus Christ is alive and he lives in me and he lives in you. Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20 these words, Christ lives in me. It was the reason for his thanksgiving. It was the reason for his praising God. Christ lives in me. How could that be? How did it happen that Paul could look back and say on his life, Christ lives in me? Well, the actual verse in Galatians 2.20 shows how it happened. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. In other words, all his past, all his sinfulness, all the ways in which he'd hurt others, wounded people, thought bad thoughts, lied, distorted the truth, everything that he had done, I have been crucified with Christ. It's like all his sin has been nailed to the cross with Jesus' death. He says, I've been crucified. My sin has been paid for when Jesus died on the cross. He took my place. He took my penalty. He took my sin. And then Paul says, I have been crucified and I no longer live. Now he's saying the old self, the sinful one, the one that was angry with God, the person who I used to be, no longer lives. But now I'm a new creation. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So for Paul now, every day is living with Christ as his Lord and as his saviour, Christ as his constant companion, Christ as the one to whom he bows and honours and obeys. I no longer live, Paul says, but Christ lives in me. How does that happen? Well, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith, by faith. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again. I have faith in that. I believe because I have faith in the Son of God, Paul writes, who loved me and gave his life for me. Paul says, the reason I no longer live and Christ lives in me is because Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth. He died on a cross. He was put to death. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took upon himself our sin. And the way in which you can appropriate that for yourself is through faith, believing it, accepting it, and surrendering your life so that now you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. You have forgiveness. You have his presence with you each day by the power of his Holy Spirit. You have all of heaven waiting for you, eternity. You're set free, and you're able to give and love others with the same love that he's given you. Is that worth giving thanks to God for? It's no wonder Paul Uh, was overwhelmed when he wrote about God's goodness and his love in Galatians 2.20. Thanks, to God. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? Have you said, I no longer live, but you live in me? I'm asking by faith. If you have, this meal is for you. The thanksgiving to God for all that he's done in sending his son who is here this morning, who lives in us, who's in this place. If you've done that, share in this meal. If you haven't, oh, I pray you would surrender to Jesus and begin a new relationship with him. As we come to share in this meal, the, the, the bread represents his body, the blood represents, the cup represents the blood that was shed so that he could take upon himself your sins and forgive you. As we come to share this meal with thanksgiving, David is going to lead us in prayer. Let's pray.
9: Heavenly Father, we now celebrate the memorial of our redemption. We recall Christ's death, his descent among the dead. We proclaim his resurrection and ascension to your right hand. Awaiting his coming in glory and offering to you from the gifts that you have given us, this bread and this cup, we praise you and we bless you. Lord, we pray that in your goodness and mercy your Holy Spirit may descend upon us and upon these gifts, sanctifying them and showing them to be holy gifts for your holy people, the bread of life and the cup of salvation, the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that all who share this bread and this cup may become one body and one spirit, a living sacrifice in Christ to the praise of your name. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ, all honour and glory are yours, almighty God and Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.
0: Well, let's share together the thanksgiving. As you served, take the bread and the cup. Why don't you eat the bread as you're served? And as you eat it, give thanks to God for sending his son who died for you. Why don't you hold on to the cup and we'll drink it together, signifying we're one body, all in Christ Jesus. Let's give thanks together. together, church, let's drink in oneness. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in you. Thanks be to God. I'm going to sing now with his amazing love. I want you to leave this morning without having an opportunity to just respond in your news sheet of blue cards. We'd love to pray for you this week, if there's something that you'd love us to pray with you for, anything that's going on in your life or that you just long to see happening and you want us to pray with you for that. It'd be great if everybody was just able to complete one of these, just to say, we've been here today, we've been part of this, we've responded. There might be a thought, a decision that you want to make today. Let's just spend a few moments um, reflecting together. Let's uh, spend some time doing that. We've got a good God, haven't we? So much to be thankful for. And uh, why don't we thank the choir and Sandy and all the team that have done so much to make today great. Thank you. And let's just continue to praise God for the rest of the day and the rest of the week and the rest of our lives. And uh, we're just coming now to say thank you to God in the most practical of ways. We're going to come to give to him. Uh, We give of the things that we've earned throughout the week. Uh, we've been, he's given us gifts and resources to, to use for his glory. And we get rewarded for that. And we just want to say thank you to God by giving now. Uh, so as we come, let's just give thanks to him for all that he gives us. God, you've overwhelmed us with blessings. You've given us good things. You've answered our prayers when we've needed you most. God, thank you for who you are. And would you receive our gifts, our offerings, our tithes out of the fullness of our heart? Just saying, God, you deserve everything that we have. We we would jump in the bowls ourselves if we could because we want to give you everything. Would you accept these gifts, though, as a clear sign that we love you and we're thankful? Use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our offerings are now going to be collected. So as they come around, would you put in the blue card? Just put it in the offering bowls as well. And let's give thanks to God together.